See, I've been working on it. I've been taking lessons. I'm working on my voice. Hot tea and honey. That's it. That's the cure. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Unsung. They have let us do yet another episode, so we must be doing something right. I was going to do a rant at the start of the show, but I don't think I'm going to do that. I think oh, I'm going to cut right in the on. show. No, no rant. No rant. I'll do the rant on the SoundCloud, the after thing. We'll do a, I'll do the rant there. I won't waste time here. Uh, you can find us on SoundCloud, www.unsug.us, uh, 1180WFYL, um, and uh, iTunes, uh, podcasts. Tune in. You can listen to it live on Saturdays at 1.30, and you can find transcripts written on the walls of finer bathrooms throughout the region. So, <laughs> I was trying to get Russell to spit out some of his tea. Uh, Hot chocolate. Hot chocolate. This this week we have uh, Nancy Marcus Newman on who, uh, full disclosure, I've worked with in the past, uh, worked with and survived working with uh, <laughs> over the years. Uh, I, I, I met her uh, when she was doing an endeavor called the Bridge Foundation, which was to help people that come out of... Uh, substance abuse treatment and integrate back into the regular world because what happens is uh, I didn't know much about this before I started working there but I learned a lot and you got to learn fast when you're dealing with that topic because it's changing and it's out of control but what I learned was that uh, the people that that are addicted are not stupid they're smart many times they're smarter than us uh, they figure things out. They work things out. They just have an addiction that alters their priorities. And when we were d- dealing with people there, we met lots of good people, and I learned lots of good things. But what I learned is that it's an epidemic, and it impacts everyone. And if you are lucky enough to have it not impact you or your immediate loved ones, then be assured that within one or two rings out of your circle of trust, it is there and it is it is lurking. It's a problem we see in search and rescue. We see more of our cases are related to some kind of substance abuse, um, having an influence on somebody making a decision. We see it more and more throughout emergency services. So uh, without further ado, I'd like to have you talk nancy and tell us uh, a little bit about you and what inspired you to get involved with the bridge foundation thanks mark thanks for having me um happy to be here uh what inspired me was basically um you know my own experience with this issue and my extreme frustration at established systems not meeting the needs of people who were desperately in need of support. Um, So I am a person in long term recovery. And for me, that means I haven't had a a, uh, alcoholic drink or a mind altering drug in seven years. I came into recovery uh, when one of my sons, I have three boys and and a little girl, one of my sons was struggling with this disease, and it is a disease uh, of addiction. 
And I had no idea what it was. And I found that there were very few resources at the time, and there, this was 10 years ago, and very few people to reach out to. However, the people that were there for us to reach out to, and us being family members or friends or people that are in recovery themselves, the people that were there to, 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 to lend a hand and have and support um, were very strong and very committed. And one of the places where I saw the most need and the greatest lack of available help, in my experience, was what happens after somebody leaves treatment or doesn't go into treatment at all and needs support, needs a place to be that is a safe haven, needs people around them to help them in their recovery, to help them abstain from using drink, drink or drugs. And, you know, how do they find that support in their community so that they can stay sober in the long term where they live, where their family is, where their friends are? You know, the approach has been like a broken car. Send, send the car to the shop to get the car fixed, usually for $1,000 a day in many treatment centers. Um, and then when the car is fixed, bring it back to where it was and assume that everything's perfect. Well, that doesn't work. That scenario doesn't work. So uh, in starting the bridge, we actually were attempting to create bridges through those transitions that would help people uh, as they were going from one phase of recovery to another, because it is a lifelong process. Well, I always like to, I, I used a similar analogy, but it was like, you've got a car that's got, you get a new car, it's got acorn dings in the roof and the hood. You take it to the body shop and they fix it and they give it back to you and you park it under the same tree. That's exactly right. And the problem was, was that people were getting out of, after, after people taking second mortgages out of properties and using up their retirement to do anything they could to help their children, they were bringing them back and they were going in the same environment to produce the addiction or supported the addiction, I should say, uh, initially. And one of the things that really stood out, because I got, it's really, really difficult to get me uh, so that something shocks me or amazes me, but I was amazed at how, uh, I was amazed. One of the things that stood out that people in the community don't even think about anymore is the amount of funerals that people go to at a young age. I had the misfortune of going to a lot of funerals when I was young uh, because of just death in the family, different tragedies and all that. But I was dealing I, – I don't deal with adults that have been to as many funerals as I have, and that's one of the reasons I don't like to go anymore. But I was seeing kids – I say kids, but young adults in their 20s that were doing a funeral – Every couple of weeks, every month, they had the funeral routine down, and that's something that was just accepted. You guys just kind of took that as normal, that, uh, and I always saw that as that was always uh, I couldn't I hadn't dealt with anybody that went through that strain, and and they they dealt with it well, but it takes its toll on you for sure. And I mean, this is it's a, it's a, it's a brain disease. It's a chronic and deadly 
disease left untreated, it will kill people. And, you know, now we're seeing a lot of young people. I mean, the Bridge Foundation is focused on on young people ages 13 to 26. 13. That's that's young. Um, but it's not young for this epidemic. And and so, I mean, I have seen I have watched so many young people attending funerals of their friends. I was at one last week. Um, it was actually a, a mom who I'm friends with and her son lost his struggle and died last week um, of a heroin overdose. And, and you could see there were two rows of his friends sitting behind the parents. And it's so prevalent in our community now that it's almost as if it's, a, it, it's not a shock anymore. People see it happening now. And they understand that it's something that their friends are going through, that their friends' children are going through. And what happened 10 years ago, I, I didn't see 10 years ago, I didn't see a lot of young people dying. I didn't see a lot of funerals happening. It's totally different now. It's taken off at, at warp speed. Uh, totally different now. I, it's, I think to people that aren't involved in it directly, that are fortunate enough not to be involved in it directly, and... I think that they look at it like homelessness. It's something that you can look away from and it's still there, but it's not impacting you and you can look away from. But the difference is this, in many ways, like homelessness, we're all closer than we think. Maybe we might not be impacted and we may have the fortitude not to be impacted because it's just not. I don't think that something would ever happen to me. I, I've had I've had two addictions in my life. Coca-Cola and chocolate chip mint ice cream, and I and I fight those demons every day, and I lose. Uh, but and those are addictions, and I think that to get rid of addiction, you have to trade it for another one. Because I think once your mind is wired for that, you have to satisfy it in some way. But not to minimize the plight of the people that are suffering through it, but I think that people think it won't impact me. Well, maybe it won't impact you because maybe you have the fortitude, but it. It gets to you through someone you love, you know, it gets well, exactly. And and the getting to you through someone you love is one of the for me is one of the hardest and, and saddest and most painful aspects of this disease, because the codependency and the family dysfunction that happens around addiction is extremely painful for family members and learning how to help a family member who is struggling with addiction and not be able to rescue them is an incredibly frustrating place to be in, especially as a mother or a father. And it's interesting because you're, you're in search and rescue. And when we first met, the energy of having somebody who was a professional search and rescue person um, at the Bridge Foundation was in incredibly comforting because these young people, their family members, really are powerless most of, most of the time to find them, to search for them, to find where they are, to understand in a metaphoric way what it is that they're going through, where they are in their recovery and or using. 
and 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 to rescue them. It's a there's a there is a distinct inability for family members to rescue their own, which goes against all of our instinctive behaviors where, you know, the parents are there to protect their cubs. And so what what has happened is over time, it has shifted. And as this has become, an, you know, it's an epidemic, it's the CNN, you know, thing of the moment, it actually, I mean, addiction has always existed, and it will always exist. But the proportions of what have happened in this particular generation at this particular time, are also a result of what's happened with pharma, and a result of what has happened with, uh, you know, the opiates being overprescribed. And then a lot of times a young person becoming addicted to an opiate that then leads to their brain chemistry literally being reset or rewired um, to require it. And so somebody who may not have had a predisposition or any kind of an issue, they can actually end up dependent on these drugs. And then when they can no longer afford the Percocet or can't find it, um, you know, it goes to heroin. And then this is this is where we're seeing, you know... Susie next door, Joe next door, a kid who you never thought, but um, sometimes, and I've, I have, we have a very good friend who, um, whose son co who actually committed suicide as a result of something that happened that, that was a, was a star athlete and was, had an injury and found out that he had an injury and he could no longer play on the team, uh, you know, at one of our private schools here and became addicted to painkillers from that injury. And um, I mean, that particular kid ended up committing suicide, he, he jumped off of a bridge, but it's not different when that kid ends up addicted to drugs or painkillers or heroin in the long term, and then can't find their way back. And I mean, the Bridge Foundation isn't just helping targeting young people that are addicted to drugs, although that is a huge, obviously, part of the population. That's what we're seeing now. But it's it's for any young person for whom current systems have failed. And the current system is failing that young person who committed suicide, and that young person who has a mental health disorder or is struggling because of a situational issue with depression. I mean, we see what's happening down at Penn. They're having an epidemic there that they're having suicides left and right. And and so it's the same kid in the same situation in, in a society that doesn't have the capability or capacity to help them largely because we've turned the other cheek and it's been stigmatized up until now. And it's it's funny because I've seen this is the opposite of many things. It's the opposite of like a straight up medical problem because I've seen in my dealings when they get to the point and go missing and we look for them, I've seen where money actually masks the problem longer and allows it to get more serious and parents think they can wrangle it and they, they think money is a time machine or, or an instant fix and it isn't. And I've seen that people with less – going into it have been able to rally with difficulty and not succumb as easily many times. Uh, but I've seen people think, well, I'll solve this with money and they get disappointed because it takes more than that. It takes it takes a lot more than that. I don't I don't know what the solution is. And I, th I think it's awareness and education because I believe that's the beginning of the solution to everything. Uh, but it's not it's not just money. I know that. Well, there's no question about it. And, and you know, well, 
many believe in a 12-step program that the, that the solution is a spiritual solution, and it's very difficult to define what somebody's higher power is. And, you know, so I don't, I don't think that anybody in this today can actually put their finger on this and say, here's the solution. This is what we need to do. I mean, the government is grappling with this. They, they've got experts and what, and, 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 and there isn't an answer, which is very scary, but certainly money is not the solution. And, and with any situation where there is a massive epic problem in society, there are going to be organizations, people, and, you know, entities that are going to take advantage of those that are suffering. And that was one of my frustrations with and with 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 my personal experience um, with this and having my child go through this was, you know, if if you have some money to put toward it, you are literally in a situation where you are trying to lift the bus off of your baby. And you're in as a parent or I was in a a present trauma where you're really not thinking very clearly you are feeling like you are rescuing your child from what may be certain death. Um, I don't know what your training is as a search and rescue person that allows for that adrenaline. We're finding somebody and, you know, but, but if, if this is a parent that is literally trying to help save their child's life, they will listen to experts or consultants or people that tell them, well, this is what works. And people have a feeling, especially here in America, that you get what you pay for. So if you pay for $1,000 a day treatment, your kid's going to be okay. Untrue. I mean, I know people that have that have failed very, I mean, not failed. It's, you know, you get something out of every experience you have, uh, you know, is what you put into it. But I mean, I know people that have that have gotten clean and sober at the Salvation Army. It, it can be done anywhere. And and what really is, is upsetting to me and was one of the major catalysts for the Bridge Foundation was to cut through that and be able to say to especially parents, you know what, you don't have to start with or ever spend $1,000 a day and send your kid to a $30,000 treatment center for, for 30 days and then a therapeutic boarding school for $80,000 a year because you are told by whoever is profiting from those institutions that that's the thing that's going to help them, that there are choices and, and that providing some of those choices at the community level for not, you know, for less money, uh, just to be efficient and effective is what's important. Ultimately, people have gotten sober for the last 90 years by one person reaching out and helping another. Um, well, part of the problem is that people, they they get help automatically in a crisis from police, fire, and EMS. And we have the same problem in search and rescue where we find a lot of people with a missing child, they feel like they're reinventing the wheel. And they feel like they're starting. I mean, there's no need for that. If it's been done before, let somebody have the access uh, to the knowledge that has has cost you so much time, energy, and money, and that's kind of what you were trying to do at the Bridge Foundation, you know. And I saw we had uh, we had different people there. Uh, we had one guy. I'm not going to say any names. We had one guy who worked with us who ended up taking his own life. A very smart guy, but just down the wrong path. And we had another guy that is fine. And it was just – I was always amazed at how intelligent the guy was. He was he was just so intelligent. But he just – intelligence and being able to cope are different things. And, uh, you know, it's just – it's sad because 
it's 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 you never know the potential of that life that's gone. When who was your mentor? Who got you started? I learned on the fly, Mark, <laughs> for this uh, for this particular thing. I mean, I'm a lawyer. Uh, I was trained in. Well, I originally was a corporate finance lawyer, so I left that rather quickly, and I started to do nonprofit work because things were happening to me that upset me and that I wanted to create change. And so I learned slowly but surely over many years working part-time while my kids were growing up, how the nonprofit world worked, how government interacted with nonprofits or community organizations, including activist organizations. I've been involved in some activism. Um, that how those systems work, how you create an entity that can help people through a charitable corporation and what this what what would be the system for bringing people to the table to collaborate with that. So it wasn't a person that was a mentor. It was years of trial and error in terms of setting up those systems. I, I had worked on a uh, developing a melanoma foundation many years ago because I had melanoma many years ago. And my best friend at the time also had melanoma and she died from it. So, but for the grace of God, there go I, and I started the national, it was the National Melanoma Foundation. Now it's the Na uh, Melanoma International Foundation, and they have a walk and everything. It's wonderful. But it's been my, the catalyst was my experience. And then I would use these systems, also systems for activism, for, for change in legislation, change in laws to then find, I would go through the systems and then I would find experts in the area and I would ask those experts, what is what are the best practices? What are the solutions? What do you think needs to happen? And I would cultivate relationships with them through the organization so that I wasn't, I know I'm not an expert, but I know how to find the experts. Right. And so, I, for example, Tom McClellan at Treatment Research Institute, he ended up being uh, the deputy director of, ONDCP at the White House. He he is back at Penn now, and he was one of the original people that I spoke with because he's the man that's doing the research. They're doing the research about what works to help people, especially adolescents who are struggling with addiction. He was one of the main people. There were people that are heads of organizations uh, in the area that I essentially partnered with so that when that thing came up that required their expertise, that they were there. I don't have the answers, but I know where to find them. And so that's that's how I've operated. That was the thing. When I work with you there and, you know, when we were working every day, you were always a connector. Um, and some people were connectors and different people take different roles. And, you know, it was it was amazing that uh, there was so much different exposure to different things that I hadn't even that late in my life been exposed to there. And. It was very interesting to see. It's always interesting to learn something new, but the different people that it branched out and it was like ripples in a pond, uh, the way it impacted everything. What if you uh, if you had a single message to tell the public, uh, along with signs, things to look for, what would you want to tell the public about this problem? It's very real. It is happening in our backyard and to people that you know and to people that you love. 
and that it is nothing to fear that it has to be faced head on and that there is help in the community. There is help at every level and that acknowledging that there is a problem and facing that problem and getting help for that problem and looking out for clues for, that there may be a problem or, or if it's if it's a young person is are their grades going down or do they have different friends do they seem like they're sleeping all the time or patterns different and again i'm not an expert in this but my one message would be this is not something that we can turn away from anymore it's something that needs to be treated the same way we treat cancer in our society if a child has cancer people don't turn away and say well they might have cancer i don't know let's not think about it i'm not worried you know they they go and they take them to the doctor and they get tested and they see what can be done about it and that's what needs to happen here so especially to parents to friends this is not something you know don't ask don't tell hiding you know let's look the other way because people can die from this and 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 short of dying there are horrific things that can happen in life if you're living with the situation and a person will be struggling and suffering because of it so to open our, our eyes and and be willing as a society to not say well you know not in my backyard this is your backyard it's your child it's your neighbor's child it's your friend and we've got to be welcoming as a community to those that are suffering with this and be willing to reach out a hand and help. What do you think when this is all said and done? What do you think after you're gone, your legacy will be? What do you think people will say about Nancy Marcus? Oh my gosh, Mark. I don't know. Maybe you could, maybe you could answer <laughs> that question. That. I'm not oh, that's a biggie. That. Now do not touch that. Um, <laughs> well, let's see. What, what will people, depends who the person is. I think uh, as far as the, the nonprofit stuff goes, it's that I was really powered by my passion. I was powered by something that I cared about deeply. And, you know, if I helped one person, if I help one person through this broadcast, uh, then then it's a success. But I certainly do it, you know, with guns blazing. I'm not afraid to speak out or to say the thing that may be politically incorrect, you know, incorrect. And that if I cared about something and was passionate about something, I went about doing something about it and creating a change, uh, whatever that change looks like. I mean, I've said for many times that I don't know what will happen as a result of the Bridge Foundation. I don't know that our our vision of having this off grid, you know, holistic environment for young people to to thrive in will will happen. But I know that something will happen. I've never had any job where we were thrown out of so many places <laughs> as I did with that job. It's because it we were like, laughing so loud. We were I laughing mean, so loud. Yeah. You know, we, we cherished every happy moment we could get. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Well, you would call the Bridge Foundation. It's www.bridgefoundation.us. Our numbers are there, and we are welcoming any kind of calls for information, for resources, for any anything that you have. And, and it's a it's a very lean operation. You will chances are you will get me on the phone or somebody that's very close to me. So, you know, feel free to call us and and please, uh, you know, again, don't hesitate. Don't hesitate to reach out anonymously, not anonymously. There are systems. And now now it's something that that is on the media can't be ignored. But 
honestly, you know, um, we're we're here twenty four seven. So and you can reach you can reach through the show if 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 you just want to contact the show, and I'll get you in touch with them. And I can I can tell you it is run very lean. And uh, when I was there day to day, and we were in the office. Uh, I, I was telling somebody just the other day how much you would just yell at me about, you're so cheap. You're so cheap. Why are you so cheap? And I, I, I was always cheap with everything. Uh, I would wait till something was on sale all the time. But I really uh, thank you for coming. And oh, I, thanks for having me, Mark. Yeah, I, I um, appreciate it. You know, you connected. Uh, I learned a lot about the world at a at a stage in my life I never would have unless I stepped outside of my comfort zone and uh, and and met you on that March day at that semi-abandoned building uh, and I, I appreciate that well and I appreciate all you've done for us as well as, as a as a protector and and somebody who does do search and rescue and and all of the others in emergency services it, it is such a critical role now especially with this epidemic that uh, it can't be understated how much we we rely on you to uh to help us through this difficult time so thank you thank you for coming and that's another episode we're done thanks for listening stay safe stay sane stay smart and we'll see you again next week Hey, this is Russ, the producer, and today's show was so excellent that after the show, I decided to hit the record button again to capture the excellent conversation that would otherwise go unheard by the listeners. And here's that recording. So if you're playing video games and you can't show up for work because oh, you're up then, all night, then, then, yeah, then you're addicted. that's a problem. That's right. You're addicted. That's a problem. If but, some, you know, so so that's the, you know, and I like I forgot to say that. So but. we're doing the after talk thing. Yeah, because yeah, I figured. Say that again. We'll start with you. Because <clears throat> should I start over that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we wanted to do okay. something because on the podcast we can go longer and oh, talk okay. about something yeah. and put like an extra feature. Oh, in. okay. So whatever you miss, oh. and and I've done it by myself just talking about, but mm-hmm. this is the first one with someone else. You could just talk yeah. about the things you realize you missed in that. Yeah. And it won't air on the show, but it'll be on the podcast. If people right. want to well, do, because they find out more. Or, yeah. Right. Because yeah. the show is constricted by the time mm-hmm. and work and radio. Stuff. Yeah. It, it's really, you know. It, the it's, podcast is not. So this right. will be the first feature. The podcast feature. can be mm-hmm. basically endless. Mm-hmm. But maybe we don't want to put people through that. No. <laughs> well, but it's important because you think of things. You know, there's only so many right. things you can say. <clears throat> and, you know, what were you saying the the definition of addiction was that uh, well to paraphrase um is is that somebody is using a substance or engaging in some kind of an activity or an act that is having negative consequences okay and they continue despite the negative consequences all right so So, it can be a video game it can be a person it could be a drug it could be anything shopping i mean if you're up all night and right and food people well and if you're if 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 you're (laughs) if you're eating so much 
that it's causing you to have extreme problems. Well, now you your girlfriend, you your wife is leaving you because all you do is sit and eat all day. And <laughs> so it's affecting your relationships or your job or other things that are around you that are that are helping you to survive socially, right. you know, educationally, right. academically. You it's know, interesting. All the, the consequences are the metrics. Yes. Yeah. I, I think the consequence because like. You know, I'll play video games on weekend. It doesn't prevent me from showing up to work, though. If it starts preventing me from showing up to work, then that's a problem. And, you know, it'll also prevent me from getting a paycheck, which... <laughs> well, you think about that in terms of addiction. You think about this is the biggest addiction there is. Everybody oh, the phone. Has right. Well, they and we're starting to have consequences, aren't we? Because people are driving into each other and people aren't oh, looking. Goodness. And they're it's continuing sickening. to stay on the phone anyway. Yeah. And and so w do you have it's to legislate sickening. that? Well, now if we find you with your phone and, you know, you're going to yeah, have some kind of... DUI. People should understand. I, I'm having consequences here. I'm on my phone and I don't talk with my family and I don't have any kind of interaction with my family oh, over dinner because I'm looking at my phone. And I'm That's a consequence. That, like I'll be out eating with somebody and I try to make sure I don't take this thing out because I hate it when I look over and I see two people sitting there looking at their phone out eating dinner together. It's like, oh, I'll what's be the looking point? at the menu because it's more interesting than my phone. What's it's got point? food all over it. <laughs> I mean, uh, I will say your one thing. Like an iPhone three. Well, I, I don't use my iPhone three. I got a Samsung Galaxy S. It's not much better. The charging port. Someone sounded grumpy and old there. That was a little different. Sound like me. I don't use my iPhone. I don't use my Apple. You kids get off my lawn. He's got an iPhone that is stolen from some museum somewhere. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> no, I got I got this dinosaur which. Has a nobody can see it. This isn't helpful on on a recording, but it it went off one day, and because it's an Android, the battery can pop out, and it, it went off while I was in church, and so I decided to punch it, hoping I would lodge the battery out, and I ended up cracking the screen. Yeah, that worked. That worked out well, didn't it? <laughs> so now I have to look at a cracked phone. <laughs> but. Oh, I, I just, you know, it's it's like with the stress, with the addiction, part of it is the acceptance, acknowledgement. There is a problem. Mm -hmm. What I would have said oh, yeah. on the show, and, and I didn't want to interrupt you because you, you were rolling along good, mm -hmm. but what I would have said is, or what I wanted to say was that don't even... If you think there's a problem, treat it like there is a problem. Yes. Yeah. You 100%. Know, it's better to be turned back and have to apologize. Sorry, I got in your business. Totally right. Than to be going to a funeral. 100% exactly. right. You know? Exactly. And that's the same thing with the stress thing from the other episode we did. It's better to be turned back than, than, than to for go to a funeral, live with the guilt of what could have been done or whatever. You know? So- be intrusive. Get in people's business. Well, I agree. And and I mean, right now, it's about us stepping up and going the extra mile to see whether or not somebody's safe. Because if this were happening in any other area, this epidemic, people would be, you know, whatever happens with an epidemic, they'd be sequestered, you'd be quarantined, you'd be having all kinds of systems shutting down and putting people aside and, and treating them and um, and it's not happening. It's happening on the person to person level. You got to be like, um, you know, how about we just get rid of drugs? Well, I don't think that's that, you know, not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the just say no 2, philosophy that yeah. 2300 people a day go missing. And that would be an epidemic, too. And it's right. just these are things that are unpopular things. 
because there's there's two stigmas that don't go well in the media that don't play and i know this from cases and watching them air suicide and drugs yeah and the two are very often connected and it's a tough sell to get airtime on that person whose life is just as important to their family as the person who is it on drugs? No exactly. question. And yeah. but it's the denial, and the denial, yeah, denial is part of the disease. River. The denial yeah. is part of the, is part of the situation here, and it's it's part of what it's prevents. Part of enabling. From, it's part that, of enabling. It is. It absolutely is. And I mean, and on, it's also you know, it's different for each individual. So it's hard to to say you know well what what is how far into the addiction how bad is bad enough. Yeah, like and there's no way to measure that. There's no way to measure that. And and that's what all this talk about, you know, what's somebody's bottom and they have to hit their bottom and what does that look like? I, You know, I'm like, if there is a problem, let's address the problem. We're not waiting for bottoms. But, uh, you know, again, there's a whole philosophy and question about it. What are the consequences that are enough consequences? And now people are dying. People are dying before they have a lot of consequences. Mm-hmm. A lot of this isn't even heroin. It's heroin that is laced with fentanyl that is you know you may as well go to the supermarket and drink drano and 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 snort you know pine saw and say let's see what's going to happen to me it's it's there it's not even what that wasn't people a think dare. it is what's that that wasn't a dare <laughs> no you know no <laughs> i'm saying that it, you don't even know like, what's in it can anybody do that right i mean but i'm not saying that, that i know i know that it's okay to go ahead and mm-hmm. shoot pure heroin but but this is just russian roulette every time somebody okay engages we we've had we've what had good is her- like does it have an actual purpose like does it does it oh it's from opiates it's 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 got a historic i mean Opiate, opiate well, does, does high has like been a forever. Medical thing because it should be like outlawed if you're caught. No, it's with it comes, it's natural. It's it comes natural. from poppies. It grows in the world. Yeah. What? And it's, it's God created it. It comes we from need poppy, poppy seeds. Control. Well, you know, and there's ah, things that ah. th- these are these are hey, derivatives. The wicked witch of the east tried that, and she got killed for her efforts. That's exactly no. right. <laughs> the she got housed. <laughs> yeah. But but. We had what you were talking about with the mixes and how it's mm-hmm. Russian roulette. You can spend fifteen hundred dollars buy a kit and make a million and a half dollars worth of drugs. Yes, and put it out with no background, no accountability, just cranking it out. And there's no regulation. There's nothing. We had a case where the guy went missing, and he was taking some drug uh, called K five. Okay, yeah. And they put sawdust in it. it was an ingredient. Yeah. They were putting sawdust in the oh, fluff. Rat poison. They can put in whatever they want. It's my, in somebody's bathtub in the basement. My my uh, mother used to fluff chili with rice. <laughs> and they're fluffing her- synthetic heroin with sawdust. And whatever they, I mean, and there's no control. So the other <clears throat> thing you didn't say on the show was last Thursday, Thanksgiving, yes. 50 people died. In, in Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Well, they didn't die. 50 people overdosed. Overdosed. 50 uh, people In overdosed. Philadelphia. And an overdose doesn't mean a death, but it means that they stop breathing. And that means uh, one of these people mixing up these things made a bad batch and it correct. got out there. Yeah. Because there's no reason that 50 go down at the same time. Correct. And, and, and there was a headline that said... You know, police are looking for the source of of the of the of the deaths. And, you know, the source is addiction. The source is the source of the fentanyl. The source is if people weren't, you know, if people were able to 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 not be engaged in it. Sure. But but this disease is so cunning, baffling and powerful that 
that somebody who is in the throes of that craving or of their of that addiction will actually be like, you know what? I, I've heard people say, well, you know what? That actually gives you a better high, the fentanyl. And so they want to they they don't want to die, but but they're willing to be on that line of what will give them the most powerful high. And therefore, if there's an especially strong batch, often an addict will be like that. That's that's the batch I want. And and the only so- it costs them their life. Yeah, Correct. potentially. And the only solution that I've seen, and it's not a solution per se, but it's change the addiction. Get yeah. them a new addiction. Yeah. And and, and, and that addiction charge could- it in like a positive way. Yes. Right. Replace, that addiction could be love. Replace re- well, love could be a positive or a negative yeah. addiction. Yeah. There's well, a lot I'm of talking you know, to the wrong okay. person about love. <laughs> yeah. 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 Wrong person. Hippie, Mark. <laughs> what? Don't turn into a hippie. Uh, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, but I mean to channel it positively and, and I mean ultimately isn't that true of anything that yeah. we're not balanced about. Yeah, I could get I could get her going. I mean, oh, don't even Christina Angelina. Oh, that was her name. I totally <laughs> forgot her name. Oh, you guys. But you know what? You protected me from a lot of really bad decisions. That I will say. So. That's the other thing that, that even when you survive that thing, there's a certain vulnerability that person always has. There. They're tougher in some ways, but there's that vulnerability to be exploited by people in that community yes. and people that exploit that community like <clears throat> any community. In Search and Rescue, I see it. And, and I'm I'm sure there's psychics out there that are good. I just haven't met them. Uh, but they come up to the family and they want money for this. We just had a case where several psychics all saw several different things, none of which were right. Mm-hmm. None of which – there's no accountability. Just like those people that pay the thousands of dollars for the kids to go places and get no results. There's well, no accountability. And, and Well, there's some accountability. I mean, at least there's licensing of treatment centers. Okay. So when you're talking about treatment centers, there's licensing. There's no accountability mm-hmm. in terms of what they charge. Mm-hmm. And often, you know, you're not getting what you pay for it. Paying a lot of money. Do they cards or? No, but that is something that actually, that is how I met Tom McClellan uh, at TRI was, was to try to get some kind of a system for grading what is good, what yeah. isn't good. Now there's Maybe feedback. Like five star thing. Well, but the problem is it changes on a day-to-day basis and it's very hard to keep up to date with it um so you want like a zagats for addiction right i mean you'd have to publish a new one every day though and and what's good for one person isn't good for the next person however there are certain standards treatment is licensed so that is definitely has some accountability but for example now i'm working with uh, a group called the national alliance of recovery residences we have a pennsylvania chapter there are chapters all over the country Pennsylvania Alliance of Recovery Residences that is that is looking to standardize and create best practices for sober living. But there's no accountability yet. Now, this is something that we're they're working very closely with with the government about, you know, what are best practices? How do you not not necessarily license it, but get a certification? And what does that look like? But right now, anybody can basically hang up a sign sober living and the next thing you know, they're 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 getting paid. Who knows what? So it's the wild west right now. It is the wild west. I've actually used that saying, yeah. and you know, it's the same with people that are helping. I mean, professionals that are psychologists, psychiatrists, they are licensed by the state. Right. But then you get into something like coaching. What are what are you know recovery coaches? Now I took that training actually because I wanted to see what that was about. What is that? Um, you know, you get trained to be a recovery coach, and then you can basically go out and hang a shingle and say, I'm a recovery coach. Well, there there really isn't oversight or accountability. Now, there's training, 
But we're still in that gap of trying to meet the needs of this population. And it's the very beginning. It's the pioneering moments. So there's no entity that is now yet saying, here's what recovery coaches have to do. And here's what kind of credentials you have to be. I, I, I was yelling and screaming at all kinds of credentialing agencies when this first started saying, you got to treat this like you treat the law profession or the medical profession. People have to be credentialed. You cannot go to one of our most vulnerable populations and hold yourself out as an expert that is trained in a field when you don't know what you're doing. People will die, and it's abusive. It's abusive to the families and to the people that are struggling. When the impact isn't really, not to say that it's not totally, but as a broad statement, it's not on the person who is in the throes of it. I see it hurt the families more because the people that are in the throes of it are so resilient. They're so resilient. Stay one a day, two, and bounce back. And I remember the guy that we work with mm-hmm. he who shall remain nameless mm-hmm. he was just so resilient he could bounce back and, and oh everything's fine and everything and just trick you it was like charlie brown with that and lucy and that football he could <laughs> trick me every day nobody mm-hmm. can trick me he could trick me mm-hmm. and no, it's so resilient yep there's no resilient it's uh, and, and 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 but the families the family suffer. They either mm-hmm. turn a blind eye and go through denial to survive it, and then you have a negative outcome, or they suffer through it and have a negative outcome. But you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what this. Well, what ends is. up happening, you know, and, and also if somebody, if somebody, best case scenario, gets into recovery, mm-hmm. ultimately the guilt and shame that of uh, over the pain that has been caused to the family as a result of what was the addictive behavior is something that is is traumatic and has to be dealt with so once they come down from the high and come back to reality well not that day if you get sober in other words and even sometimes like you know people come down and they call it you know a a foxhole prayer you know you're 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 now clean and sober and you feel hard or, or you wake up from a horrible evening and you say you know what god i just get me through this day and I will never do this again. Same to the family. Mom, dad, you know, I know last night was a really bad night, but I'm not, uh, this is my last time. And it's not that the person isn't being genuine or wanting that to happen. They're just literally powerless over going back and doing it again the next day. It's, it is literally insanity by definition of Albert Einstein, you know, doing the same thing and expecting a different result is the definition of insanity. That's what this looks like. But shouldn't there be like like a, a better business bureau type uh, reporting thing that, you know, this center is bogus and this one is great? Well, this is what we're hoping. I mean, this is one of the things that we wanted to do with the Bridge Foundation. And so okay. if somebody calls me and I'm only one person. Right. But if somebody calls me and I get calls all the time from parents or somebody who tells me, you know, mm-hmm. sees us on the Web or whatever. And that's why I like to do it myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, you know, how we would train others to do it. And, and I'm, there are people that can be trained to do it. But I, I use my personal knowledge and, and, and information. And I also use connections of others that have had experience with certain things that may apply and right. say, oh, OK, you have a, you have somebody who is addicted to this particular drug of choice. You're in this demographic. I think that they would identify with somebody else that I know that's in recovery in that same demographic with that same drug. Let's talk to what's worked for them. Maybe they can reach out to you as well and help right. you. And so it's like attracts like. I, I, tr- I don't have the answers, but I try to put people in touch 
with others that do that ha that are surviving right. this with the these. same right. basic characteristics of the person that needs help. And that's yeah. the real value is having people that are connectors and people that have people. And I, I resolve myself after going back and forth of trying to define the Bridge Foundation and what happened there. If I had to recreate it in a bottle, you know, somebody said, let's do a series about how would you do it? it cost too much money. You couldn't recreate the magic. Oh, my gosh. But never. I thought about it. And I thought, you know. Well, I can't quite define what happened. I can't explain it. I can't even repeat most of it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that we were like boosters uh, for a rocket. And it was our job to get you out of the atmosphere. <laughs> you know? And yeah, yeah. I think that was it. And that was our job. Our job wasn't to necessarily make the final journey. And I think a lot of times we're boosters to right. get something to the next stage. Hmm, very interesting. Know? Yeah. And I, I, I've, I've been over that in my head many a day. It's like, you know, because I would, I would leave there and I've never had a job where so many times in a day I just go, what the heck happened today? <laughs> What the heck just happened? Oh, you know, but I, I tell you, and it's it can't be defined. There's no question it cannot be defined. But I some I know intuitively, we've helped at least one person through that effort. I know we have. So I mean, not just people that have said it, but but there's an energy that was created and continues to exist in the stepping up and just wanting to make the biggest difference that we possibly can to change something that is a horrific scourge on what is our society and our children. So, you know, I mean, we laughed because it was, we were dealing with the, the most painful, horrific set of circumstances. And then we would, you know, thank goodness, have the comic relief that we, that we needed. Otherwise, we couldn't come in. Yeah, yeah, and it, it was when when you when you play hard, you laugh hard. Well, that's right. Uh, and, <laughs> that's right. Thank goodness. And, yeah, thank God. And uh, you know, and uh, so I guess we'll just we're almost at. You can just cut it there. Whatever. Yeah, I, I can well, cut it. And, uh, I We've just want to almost an entire another uh, show. An, another show. You want to just do another show, or you know. do you have time for another show? Well, we can. We well, we've got fifty minutes. You know. We'll just go for an hour, and then you edit however you see fit. If you want to do another, if you want to split to another episode, or whatever. Well, or if, I'll cut this now. 